Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. So our, we are in our last week in our David series. Who's, who's enjoyed this series so far? Yes. It's been fantastic. Um, we've talked about David the shepherd. Jared's really enjoyed it. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's what I'm li- like to see. David the shepherd. We've talked about the humanity of David. We talked about David the psalmist. Uh, last week we talked about David the king. Such a powerful message from Heather. And today we're closing with which doesn't sound like a Christmas message, but it really is. David the warrior. The warrior heart of God, which... He wants all of us to find and jump into. So I've been waiting nine months, literally carrying this baby, to deliver this word. So I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm itching, but it's, it's good because God formed some things right at the, the end um, that really need to be waited to be delivered in this exact moment, in this exact season, this exact time, this exact day. So... I'm excited. Jesus, help me to deliver this message with conviction and clarity. God, I pray that your people would have soft and ready hearts, that their hearts would not be hard, but that you would break up the fallow ground, that, that weeds would not grow, that um, this would not, would not be choked out, but that it would go deep into the soil. And God, that you would do some amazing things from this word that is being sown and planted today. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. So back in March, um, and I wrote it down on March 10th, so I think it was around that same time frame, I heard the Holy Spirit speak two words to me. He said this, he said 10,000. And I didn't know what it meant, but I knew it was from him. And he kept saying 10,000, 10,000, 10,000. So I wrote it down. I'd encourage you, if you hear a word from God, even if you don't know what it means, write it down. And so throughout all last spring, I kept hearing this, this phrase, this number, 10,000. How many people know that numbers are significant to God? I mean, you, I hope you know that because you're sitting in a church that has a number in its name, Church 214, named after Acts 214. We could have a whole uh, series on numbers. Um, we won't today. I don't want to take up all the time. But, for example, our men's group is named 37 after the 37 warriors of David, very applicable to today's message. Uh, The number three is very powerful. There's so many different numbers in the Bible that are significant to God. God doesn't waste words, and he doesn't waste numbers. In the book of Revelation, all those numbers that, that sometimes confuse us are significant to the things that he's done and what he's going to do and that he is doing. So when I heard 10,000 in my spirit, I knew it was significant. I didn't know what it meant at first, but you know, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, right? He hides his mysteries, but it's the glory of kings, you and I, to search those mysteries out. And sometimes we, we stop short of going beneath the surface and digging into what God's really saying to us, and we miss the meat, the heart of the message, And so as I was studying this word 10,000 back in the spring, I came across this verse and immediately, you know how you have have an immediate thought sometimes and it's just like, 
wow, I know exactly what that means. I, it would take me a book to write this down, which might be prophetic. But I know exactly what this means in one moment. And it's a verse I'd heard before, a verse I'd read before, a verse I, I grew up hearing about this story. But when I heard this word 10,000 in this verse, I knew exactly what God was trying to say to us in this season. And the verse is 1 Samuel 18, verse 7. And it says this, This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. 10,000. So to fully understand this and, and, and unpack this, we're going to have to back up in the story a little bit. Saul was the first king of Israel, right? Remember that? And uh, God spoke to Saul through his prophet Samuel. And early one day in his reign as king, Samuel said to Saul, he said, the Lord sent me to anoint you. This is 1 Samuel 15, if you want to follow along. The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now listen and pay close attention to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he set himself against him on the way when Israel came up from Egypt. Now, Saul, go strike Amalek and completely destroy everything that they have. Do not spare them. It's very specific. But kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep and camel and donkey. Completely destroy them. A few verses later, Saul defeated the Amalekites. Great job. He captured Agag, Agag the king of the Amalekites, alive. Uh-oh. Though he totally destroyed all the rest of the people with the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, the king, and the best of the sheep, the best of the oxen, the best of the lambs, and everything that was good, because they were not willing to destroy them entirely. But everything that was undesirable or worthless, they completely destroyed. I wonder what things in your life and my life we have not completely destroyed. The things that we've made up excuses in our hearts for why we will not fully obey the Lord. See, we have no problem destroying the undesirable things. That's easy. That's worthless, undesirable. But that, God, that's got to be, we can't destroy that. That's, it looks good. It's a good thing, Right? So I think we're holding on to things because they look good to us that the Lord has asked us to destroy because they look pleasing to our eyes. It's the very same thing that happened with Eve in the garden. It was pleasing to her eye, to the taste. Verse 10 of chapter 15, 1 Samuel, the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king. For he has not been loyal to me, and he has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night long. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. 
I have carried out the Lord's command. And don't we do that? It's disgusting. Then why do I hear the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle, Samuel said to Saul. Well, well, it's true that I spared the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle, Saul admitted, but we're just going to sacrifice them to the Lord. It's going to be a good thing. We've destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop, stop. Listen to what the Lord said to me last night. The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. The Lord sent you on a mission and he told you, go completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why have you not obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than the offering of rams. Because rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. There are things in your life and my life that God has asked us to destroy that we have not. And we've made up excuses for our lack of obedience. And sadly, we've lied to ourselves. The worst lies are the ones you tell yourself. And some of the things that you're calling worship is actually witchcraft. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Saul's disobedience and his unfaithfulness destroyed his heart after God. It's it's a tragic story. See, on the other hand, David was faithful. Not perfect, but faithful. David messed up plenty of times, but he was obedient to what the Lord asked him to do. Not perfect, obedient. But you're like, well, that's that's different. David's special. You know, David, God had something special on David I mean, this is Saul we're talking about, right? The Lord loved David, like, way more than he loved Saul, right? Saul didn't have the same opportunity as David. Are you sure about that? Let's go back a few chapters to when Saul was anointed king. 1 Samuel 10. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be a ruler over Israel, his special possession. Verse 5, when you arrive at Gibeah, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre, and they will be prophesying. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And all of Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming towards them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. This is Saul we're talking about here. Not David. Saul. God anointed Saul. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. God gave Saul a new heart. 
It sounds like David, right? Prophesying, singing with the musicians. And a few chapters later, disobedience destroys the destiny on Saul's life. See, what God starts in you, what he begins in you, listen to me, is your responsibility to maintain. He who began a good work in you, he is faithful to complete it. But will you be faithful to steward it? See, that's why Paul writes to Timothy, his, his, his spiritual son, and as Timothy's pastor, and he says, Timothy, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands on you. See, see that spark hasn't gone out, but it's your responsibility to fan it into flame. Your responsibility. Not, it's not mine for Bennett Taves. I can lead him and direct him and, and, and be his father and his pastor, but he's got to take responsibility to fan the spirit of God inside of him into flames. No one else is coming to do it for you. You're responsible for your faith. I think so many times we have this excuse and we just put it all back on God. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. It's you and I that walk away. See, if you've turned your heart to Jesus, then you've been commissioned and anointed just like Saul. But it's, it's up to you whether that fire dies out or gets fanned into a flame. And rebellion and disobedience, even in the smallest of ways, will destroy the heart of God in you. See, only your obedience, only your faithfulness will keep your heart soft and burning for Jesus. I've said this before and I'll say it again. You can have as much of Jesus as you want. As much as you want of him. He's fully here. He's fully available. But it's you that has to step into that. You that has to choose him over and over and over again. See, he's coming back for the heart of David. He's coming back for a faithful remnant. He, but he's such a good father that he leaves the choice up to you. Because that's what love is. Love is a choosing. It's a choice. And he leaves it up to you as to how much of him that you want. See, Saul started out so well, but disobedience destroyed him. And because of Saul's rebellion, God rejects Saul as king, and he removes his spirit from Saul. And Saul goes from a new heart that we read about in chapter 10, that's chasing after God, that's prophesying with the musicians, to a stone-cold heart. He goes from prophesying with the worship leaders to throwing spears at David, the worship leader, just a few chapters later. See, what I'm saying to you today is it's very possible to have a calling of God in your life, and each and every one of you do. But you can have a calling of God in your life in one moment and go to throwing spears at that very same thing that you were called to do. And if you find yourself today in a position of throwing spears, I would ask you to check your lack of obedience to the Lord. And all while this is happening, David's in the middle of nowhere, the backwoods, shepherding his sheep, rejected by his father and his family, which we talked about in the first message, 
David the shepherd. If you didn't listen to it, please do. But he's faithfully tending his sheep. You know the story, and once the Lord rejects Saul, he tells Samuel to go and secretly anoint another one, and that ends up being David, and David gets anointed as a 15, 16-year-old boy. And then one day, a few chapters after Saul's disobedience, one day, Jesse, David's father, says to David, he gives him a simple task. He says, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how they're doing and bring a report back. Because David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. And David immediately obeys his father. He's faithful with a seemingly meaningless task. I mean, right? Go bring the bread. Go bring the cheese. Bring me back a report. No big deal. And he heads to battle. And once he gets there, he hears this giant defying and mocking the name of God, and he sees fear in every eyes of the Israelite army. And immediately his brother Eliab accuses him of pride. As soon as he arrives on the scene, Eliab accuses him of pride. He says, I know why you're here, little brother. You just want to see the battle. You want to sit back and watch us all die and see the battle. I know your pride. He even mocks David and his identity. He says, where are those measly sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? How easy would it have been for David in that moment to just be like, here's the cheese and bread, peace out, and head back home. Yet he didn't because of faithfulness. And David keeps hearing that giant in the background, and he can't handle it anymore. And he says, if no one else is going to fight this fool, then I will. I'll fight this pagan giant. And all of a sudden, he finds himself standing before King Saul, willing to fight the giant. And it's interesting, because David knows he's just been anointed the next king, but no one else knows it, except for a few select people. Imagine him standing before Saul, knowing his destiny one day, and having this conversation with the king, knowing one day that he would wear that crown, knowing that he had been anointed. And Saul continues this mocking, accusing conversation, and he says to David, you're just a boy, which he was, 16 years old maybe. You're not qualified. And then David says, no, 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 I am. He tells him about killing the bears and the lions. And Saul says, okay, well... Maybe you can do something. Why don't you put on, you got to wear this armor at least. And David tries it on. He's like, no, 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 I can't wear this. This isn't me. This isn't who God made me to be. This isn't my identity. He says, I've got my sling. I've got Yahweh, the Lord, and I'll find some stones. See, that's what faithfulness looks like, my friends. Faithfulness walks right by past accusation. Faithfulness confronts a mocking spirit. Faithfulness overcomes the spirit of fear. And when the world says you're just a boy, faithfulness says no, let no man despise your youth. Faithfulness says I might be young, but no one else has taken a stand. I've got to take a stand. I've got to be obedient. It doesn't matter if everyone else isn't doing it. When the world says you're not qualified, faithfulness says no, let me tell you about the bears and the lions that God's helped me kill. 
Let me tell you about my history. Because what God's done in the past, he's going to do again. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen? And when the world says, well, you've got to wear this, faithfulness says, no, no, no. I've got everything that I need in my hand. I've got a sling. I've got some stones. And most of all, I've got a God who is faithful to me. And see, while Israel, the whole army, was frozen in fear, a shepherd boy turned into a warrior in one moment. All because of one step of faithfulness after another. And all of a sudden, David, a 16-year-old boy, finds himself yelling right back at the giant. And he says, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in something way more powerful. The name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And today the Lord will conquer you, he's prophesying, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll, not only that, I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know, because we're still talking about it today, that there is a God. See, I came to tell you today, church, that your faithfulness, that your every step forward, even when you think it's insignificant, your obedience in the small things, all of a sudden cause warrior moments. And I prophesy in this next season with the world frozen in fear. See, we're living in these times again, my friends that a church in the backwoods of the world, in places where people want to try to get out of, in Peoria, Illinois, with one step of faithfulness after another, that all of a sudden, a shepherd's heart turns into a warrior's heart. And that a warrior church like David shouts right back at the demonic forces of hell and says, you come at us with sword and spirit and javelin, but we come against you in the name of Yeshua the name above every name, at which name every knee will bow, at which name demons tremble. And the principalities and powers in this region must bow to the name of Yeshua. And what was closed is now open, praise God. And it's going to stay open. We will conquer every demonic force that rises against us by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimonies, and even if we're killed, we win. We win. We know that Yahweh rescues his people. And the battle is the Lord's. And he is the victorious one. And the warrior is actually his name. See, all these names of David are actually names of God. The shepherd, the king, the warrior. And David in his humanity wasn't perfect. He was faithful. But Jesus is the fullness of the heart of David. That's why he said, I created the heart of David, Revelation 22, and I'm coming back for the heart of David. That's why we're preaching about the heart of David. And David conquered Goliath that day. The giant fell face down. David pulled out Goliath's own sword. I love that. And he cut his mangly head off with it. And then something really interesting happened in all the land. As the victorious Israelite army was returning home from battle, all the women in the towns came running out of their homes. And you can imagine they were singing and dancing and shouting in joy. And all of a sudden they sang this song. 
it was the song of 10,000. And they sang, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his 10,000. Do you remember what started in motion this meeting between David and Goliath? It was a simple task. Jesse said to David, bring the bread, bring the cheese, down to battle. Insignificant. Meaningless, right? Wrong. David obeyed immediately. David was faithful in the small thing. And because he obeyed, all of a sudden, the right heart was in the right place at the right time. Goliath, meet the shepherd boy who's now the warrior. See, you cannot become a warrior until you are faithful. You cannot. Do you remember the number of pieces of bread and cheese that David brought to battle? Because remember, numbers are significant. Ten. This is what I'd never seen before until the other day. Because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And it will always reveal new things because it is living and active. David brought ten. He brought a tithe. And because he brought ten, because he was obedient with ten, at the end of that day, the country was singing ten thousand. And even though they didn't realize it, the women of the country were prophesying the difference between a half-hearted king, Saul, a thousand, and a heart with reckless abandon after God, David, 10,000. Saul has killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. And some of you in this place today are content with a thousand. Some of us are content with the heart of Saul. Yeah, you love Jesus. He loves you. You being here today is evidence of that. However, there's places in our lives, I believe each and every one of us, that we're not fully obedient in. And the one thing that separates the heart of Saul from the heart of David is faithfulness, is obedience. See, faithfulness is what defines a warrior. If you ask me that, like, what is a warrior? I don't think the world would say, oh, it's faithfulness, right? Let me show you why. It doesn't sound special. Most of the time it doesn't look very spectacular, especially in the world's eyes. But faithfulness brings the ten. Without question, without obedience, it just does it. It hears the voice of God, it obeys. It sees what God wants to do, it obeys. It brings the ten. And the faithfulness of ten leads to the victory of ten thousand. Do you know why I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that faithfulness leads to victory? How do I know 10,000% that being faithful leads to becoming a warrior? I'll show you. Because the greatest warrior of all time, his name is faithful. Watch this, Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven open, and suddenly a white horse appeared. The name of the one riding it was faithful and true. And with pure righteousness, he judges and rides to battle. He wore many regal crowns, and his eyes were flashing like flames of fire. He had a secret name inscribed on, on him that's only known to himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title is called the Word of God. Following him on white horses were the armies of heaven, wearing fine white linen, pure and bright. A sharp sword came from his mouth, which to conquer the nations, and he will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will trample out the wine in the winepress of the wrath of God. 
on his robe and on his thigh, he had inscribed a name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Faithful and true is his name, the greatest warrior the world has ever known and is about to meet. You know, you know he's coming back one day, right? Not as a baby this time. He's coming back as a warrior. He's coming back as what they wanted him to come as the first time. He's coming back as our warrior, faithful and true. The ruling, reigning warrior of all eternity. And the cry and the groan of our hearts as the faithful one should become, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. That should be our cry. See, a warrior heart is a heart of multiplication. A heart that takes 10 and God take, turns it into 10,000. Amen? See, we live, we live in an age of, of the world wanting 10,000 just instantaneously without the investment of 10. This church is built on faithful people who bring 10. Who bring 10. Who bring 10. Who bring 10. I'm not, just ta- I'm not talking about money. I am, but I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about everything. The people who are just, when it doesn't, f- they don't feel good. When they want to give up. When they face the voice of the accuser and the mocker. They just keep bringing the 10. The 10. The 10. See, never, ever, ever think for one moment that something you do for Jesus is insignificant. Never. Remember the story of David. Because God is always doing 10,000 things through the faithfulness of 10. So why would we be content with just 1,000? Why would we be content with the heart of Saul when we can go after the heart of David and have 10,000? It's a great question. We have to bring first the seed that is sown. We have to bring first. See, what we bring first matters. The 10 we bring first matters. We're we're heading into a new year. And the word that God is speaking over this church and this region is one word. It's first. First. What you bring first matters. In Malachi, God says, you're robbing me. And the church says, in what way have we robbed you? And God says, in your tithes and offerings, you have withheld It's the same spirit as Saul. It's not full obedience. It's just partial obedience. I'm going to keep some of this good stuff for myself. No, 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 no. God says, bring me the 10. Bring me the tithe. Bring all the tithes. He says, Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes, the 10th. It literally says, amplified version says the 10th into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you so great a blessing that there is until there is no more room to receive it. Watch this. Then, after you've brought the 10, then I will rebuke the devourer for your sake and he will not destroy the fruits of the ground. All nations shall call you happy and blessed, for you shall be a land of delight. Did you see that? 
Do you see how bringing the 10, when we're talking financially, causes the warrior nature of God to rise up? He will rebuke the devourer. That's Satan. That's the demonic forces. That's the giants in your life. When you bring your tithe, when you bring the 10, God takes 10 and he multiplies it into 10,000. Listen, I want to be clear. This, this message is not just about money. It, it would actually just be easier if it was about money. This is about everything. This is about bringing our first. This is about God sending his first and his best for you. He sent his firstborn son, his tithe, for us. And he's asking you to do the same with your life in every area of your life. See, God, God doesn't need your money. I hope you know that you're not an owner of anything. You're managing what he's given you. He already owns it all. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. He wants you to develop the heart of David and not the heart of Saul. He wants you to have the faithful heart, the heart that always thinks 10. Am I bringing the 10? Am I bringing my first? Am I bringing my best? See, there's something in the spiritual realm that shifts when you pay your tithe first. Like when, when you don't, when you pay all your bills and then you pay your tithe last, God does not bless that as much as if you, if you brought it first. There's a spiritual principle here. I, I learned this years ago the hard way. The first thing I do now, with joy and gladness, I'm telling you, it's, it's awesome to bring the tithe with joy and gladness. The first thing I do is I've got to give God that 10. I've got to give him the 10 because he's going to rebuke the devourer for me because, because I'm going to bless him. Because, because if no other reason, I've got to be faithful and obedient. I've got to bring the 10. And maybe for some of you this morning, you're like, oh my goodness, a tithing message on Christmas. No, it's, it's way bigger than that. Way bigger than that. This is about the faithful heart of God and the faithful heart he's trying to develop in you so that you don't end up with Saul's heart, so that you end up with the heart of David. And he says, test me in this. Maybe some of you are not bringing the tithe. Maybe you're not bringing the 10. This is not shame and guilt. God, God has grace for this. But now you've heard a word, and the question is, you're going to be obedient and faithful in it. He says, test him. Test him in it. So now if you log into our giving on church214.org, which how most of you give, you can give in the black box on the back as well. But if you log in now, you're going to see um, an option to give that's called first. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit dictate how you use that. But first, first, are we giving him our first? Are we giving him our best? Or are we just saving it for ourselves? See, I think in the area of finances, this is what the Holy Spirit is challenging each of us with. I think each of us is being challenged financially in this message today, some at different levels. But if you're, with, if you're literally withholding from God today and you're not bringing the 10, Start today. Maybe you've been bringing the 10, but you haven't been paying it first. Start today. Pay it first. First thing you do. Before the mortgage, before the water bill, before you buy food, first. I give to God first. That's a heart condition. I give first. 
because he's, I'm acknowledging my source and my provider of everything first. Maybe you have been faithful for years, and so many people in this church are faithfully bringing their tithes and offerings. And maybe that's you. You've been faithful in bringing 10% of your net pay. Maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, you need to tithe on the gross. Maybe before Uncle Sam gets it. Just a thought. Maybe he's asking you to increase your percentage beyond 10. Maybe it's supposed to be 11 or 12 or, or who knows. That's called an offering. Anything above the 10 is an offering. So I don't, I'm going to leave you with that. Merry Christmas. I'm going to leave that with you and the Holy Spirit to sort out. But see, this is, it's not just about money. It's about a heart shift. See, God is challenging us today in, in the Romans 12 way what, what Paul wrote to the Romans and to all of us, he's saying, present yourself. Present, that Greek word is everything of you. Your, your body, soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and your spirit. Present all of it to God. All of it as a living sacrifice. How do we do that? By changing the way we think. And we have to think in this next season, we have to think first. What am I bringing first? What are my first thoughts when I wake up in the morning? It's a good question to ask yourself. What are my first words of the day? What's the first thing that I read or see when I wake up in the morning? Is it social media? Or is it my Bible app? Is it a work email? Or am I taking my first part of my day to set aside for the Lord to listen and hear from him? Trust me, I've done it both ways. And I can tell you which way is much better. The days that I have really good days, even though they're really hard, are the days that I start with him first. We have to start thinking first. What we do first matters. Why are you sitting here today on the first day of the week? Great job, by the way for bringing yourself to the house of the Lord on the first day of the week. That's why we do this on Sunday, the first day of the week. Why do we pray first before eating our meal? It's, it's not for some religious ritualistic thing that we do. It's to get our hearts in a position to say, it's the same thing as tithing, to say, God, thank you for being my provision. You are my source my provider, we thank you and we bless you. We acknowledge that this is not ours, this is from you. That's why we pray. And some of us, actually I'm convicted myself, some of us have been too casual about our prayers around the, it's a communion table. All the meals that you have with other people, your family, other people, it's communion. What we do first matters. So you heard about it a few minutes ago, Heather announced it. Wednesday, January 5th, we're going to have a worship night here, 6 p.m. Don't miss it. And we're going to bring God our first of the year, our whole selves. Whatever, that, whatever the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking just financially. Yes, it might be financial, but I'm talking bringing him everything, everything to him that night. And you're going to have an opportunity to be baptized that night, to bring your first to him to publicly declare that Jesus is your first love.
And Heather mentioned it last week. There's no rule that you can't be baptized again. And I've heard from many of you that you're going to do that. And I'm so proud of you. You're going to publicly say, no, no, no. This is a new season. We're going to a new season. I want, I want to declare everything over myself, my, my church, my family that's watching, and say, I'm all about Jesus. I'm giving him my first. So if that's you, you can sign up at the back after the service. See, there's so many responses to, the, to this word today. There's literally 10,000 responses. But it's a mind shift. It's a heart shift. It's about thinking first. It's about thinking the faithfulness of 10 leads to a victory of 10,000. Because the alternative is tragic. It's Saul's ending. Jesus said something very similar at the end of the parable of the talents. He said, but because you were unfaithful, I'll give the 1,000 gold coins, that heart of Saul. And I'll give them to the one who has 10,000. For the one who has given more will be given more until the overflow of abundance. Sorry, that literally coins just dropped when I said that. So that like, that, that was awesome. That was cool. And the one with hardly anything, anything, even what he has little will be taken away from him. Let's go after the heart of 10,000 with everything that we have. Let's step harder into faithfulness. Let's be quicker to be obedient. Let's develop this heart of a warrior. Would you stand up with me? Why don't you just bow your heads and focus on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and shift in your heart in this moment. Father, thank you for bringing your best for us. For tithing your firstborn son for us, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross to save us, to redeem us, to make us complete. And Father, thank you for this word today of 10,000. We step into it. We see that you are the faithful and true one who's riding in soon. Soon. And God, I just pray that our hearts would start to groan with the rest of creation. That it would match the clouds we've seen recently. That something is stirring. The warrior is stirring. The spirit is shifting things. And God, we want to we be here with our lamps, with the oil full in our lamps when that happens, Jesus. But we don't want to hold anything back from you. So just this, this morning, I just feel, I, I have this picture in my mind of David taking those steps with the 10, taking those steps from, 
from the backwoods with the sheep to the front of the battle with the ten. And I, I just feel right now there's something powerful when you move. So whatever the Holy Spirit's asking you to do, if you want to come forward and kneel, just take a step, just move in the aisle, just whatever he's telling you to do. If you, if you say, thank you that you are faithful and true, I, I'm committing to be faithful. I'm committing to, to bringing my ten in every single area of my life. Father, forgive me when I haven't brought the ten. When, I have, when I've woken up and I haven't brought you first in my mind. Father, would you change that? Would you change the way that I think about 10? Like someone's here this morning that doesn't know you. And you need to know that, that God brought his best for you. That while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And all you need to do is, is say yes back to him. All you need to do right now in this moment is to say yes to him. You choose him. There's nothing you can do. It's just faith. It's just saying, God, I believe in you. I turn to you. And I think all of us in some way, shape, or form need to turn. It's like John in Revelation 1, a turning. That's the heart of David. I turned and I saw. I turned and I saw. I'm turning back to you once again. I'm turning to you today, whatever that is. Turn to him. Take a step. coming back is your heart excited about it God I just pray that faith would rise up in this group of warriors thank you for their faithfulness thank you for what you're stirring them to do in this moment Father would we take steps of obedience like David to bring the ten to bring the ten to bring the ten to bring the ten every single area of our lives God, what are we speaking? What's flowing from our heart? Is it the heart of Saul or the heart of David? We don't want to settle for a thousand when there's 10,000 available. God, may the song be sung over this church. 10,000. 10,000. That's the heart of David. They didn't hold back, they didn't withhold from me. They gave everything their body, their mind, their soul. Everything was on the table, not holding anything back. It's a time of war once again. And the only way you become a warrior is to take steps of faithfulness, the insignificant steps. God, forgive us for saying things were insignificant when you told us to do them. Oh, God, forgive us for that. No, we obey whatever you put in our hand, we will use it. You put the sling in our hand, we will use it. When the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, they're at a place where I think many of you in this room are today. The Red Sea was in front of them mountains were beside them and Pharaoh's army had realized they'd let all their slaves go and they were coming after them. And all we can see sometimes is the roadblock 
is what's in the way. We see the evil around us, but we don't realize what's in our own hand. And you put your rod in Moses' hand. And you said a simple thing, stretch out your hand over that sea. See, all the Israelites in that moment, they're like, we'll go back to Egypt. It was better there. We're going to get killed. See, God is trying to break you out of your slavery. Don't go back to it. Don't go back to it. Moses stretched out his hand, that simple act of obedience, and that sea opened up, and they walked through on dry land, and they got to the other side, and praise God, the the armies of Pharaoh got stuck in the middle, and the sea collapsed back on them. Only the Lord could do that. He's doing that in your life right now. Can you see it? Can you see it, or do you just want to go back to Egypt? Because it was comfortable. That's That's Saul's thousand level. Are you going to be content with a thousand or are you going to go after 10,000? That's Moses. It's dangerous. It looks scary. But you got the Lord Yahweh on your side. And you know, that had to be quite a moment when they looked back and saw the sea cave in on their enemy for years and years and years. They literally saw their slavery crushed before their very own eyes. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing today in your life. And this is the song that they sang to the Lord after that happened. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him, because the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Isn't it interesting that there's a horse and a rider coming? His name is faithful and true. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Don't look at the sea. Don't look at Pharaoh's army. Don't look at the mountains. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Keep your hand faithful to do the task. Take the step. Take the step. Bring the 10. Bring the 10. 10,000 is on its way.